Jesus, we see as we open your word more and more of the sweetness that we just sang about. Let your word, your, your life-giving word, this water of truth, so fill us today. Not only fill us, but let it be so satisfying that we actually come and find our rest with you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come now. You know every single person here, every single person watching. You know the things that they're thinking about when they walked in. Things weighing heavy on them. Hopes, dreams. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, come meet us in this moment. And we pray that you stir us up as your church with holy passions because of the resurrection. And Father, for those who are coming just to inquire, would you meet them? Would you speak to them that they would encounter you, the one true living God? And so we make our prayer, come Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in this worship service, do what only you can do in opening our eyes more and more to the glory and grace of our Father and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, we're continuing in our, in our series just celebrating the resurrection and that's one of the things that I love as we live into here at St. Andrews, that Easter is not just a one-day Sunday celebration and then off we go, but we get to immerse ourselves over and over, more and more in the beauty and the glory, and, and really for us, it's the life-changing nature of the resurrection. It really does change our lives when we come to understand what Jesus came to do and how he rose again. It gives us new passions for life. It gives us a new vision and a new mission where we see that we're not just here, this side of heaven, to just kind of make it through in this world that, that seems at times to become more and more challenging, but where we actually come more and more alive because we see the incredible calling that as we are recipients of God's grace, God's grace so flows through us and impacts everyone around us. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how grace so impacts our lives so that when the people or what they would see around us would be grace displayed. We see that happening here in Acts chapter 11 that Dustin read just a moment ago. Let, let me set the context of the scene. Stephen had been martyred. He's known as the first martyr in the Christian church. And the the Believers of Jesus in Jerusalem were undergoing, as you can imagine, tremendous persecution. And so with this, a number of them left Jerusalem and went to other cities, other, other villages. Now, now, you would think when they left Jerusalem because of the persecution, they would go, okay, I need to learn a lesson. I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to go and live over here and live a quieter, happier, just more normal life. That's not what they did. That's not what they did at all. They were so moved because of the resurrection of Jesus and how they had known they were forgiven, given new life, and just their, their lives, they couldn't help but tell others about him. So as they went to these different cities, they began to tell others. Antioch was one of the large cities that they went to. And, and we read here that these, these Jewish believers in Christ now were telling other Jews there. But those weren't the only places where the gospel was going out. 
there were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who had made their way to Antioch. And they were telling the Greeks. And so you have this explosion, if you will. Uh, you can call it a revival. Numerous people, multitudes coming to faith in Christ. And so what happened was the church in Jerusalem got, got wind of this. And so they sent Barnabas to go check it out and see what's going on in Antioch. So Barnabas comes, and here's what we read in uh, Acts 11, verses 23 and 24. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Barnabas came to Antioch and he saw something. He saw something was unique. He saw something that was very, very different. Do you know what he saw? The grace of God on display. We see this right here. When he came and saw the grace of God. That's what I want to talk about. What does it look like for us to see the grace of God on display today? What does it look like for you and me to live our lives in such a way that we display the grace of God. So I want to answer the one question this morning. What makes the grace of God visible? How do we see it? Okay. There's two things that we see in this passage in particular. And I'll say there are a lot of ways that we see the grace of God displayed. But two in this particular passage that I think we need to hear today. The first is this. The grace of God is made visible when followers or Jesus are faithful through difficulty. When we remain faithful to the Lord in the midst of difficulty, the grace of God is displayed. And the second thing we're going to look at is this. When the, the grace of God is made visible, when the barriers that you and I build up between us and other people are broken down. Okay, we're going to look at that in just a minute. But let's first look at this first point, the reality that the grace of God is made visible when followers of Christ remain faithful in the midst of opposition and difficulty. When you read the book of Acts, one of the themes, one of the grand themes that I believe will stand out as you dive into it is this. The internal and external growth of the church despite external tension and opposition. What you see is the continued growth in the church in spite of all the opposition around now, we can see that in the early church, in the book of Acts. We can see that in movements throughout church history. When oppression, when persecution, when challenges come in, the church actually becomes more and more alive. And I would say today, you might look and say, no, I beg to differ because you read the statistics today and churches are shrinking in America. Well, that is true. But I believe when the church wakes up... <laughs> To her calling, when we wake up to the calling that God's give us, that God has given us, we will begin to see, in spite of things going on culturally, in spite of things going on in the government, the church is going to thrive, because we've got a witness and a testimony, and it is a testimony of God's grace through our lives. That's what people will see, and that's where we will see people come to know the saving grace of Jesus. And so what we see here is you would think that they would have just shut their mouths, but in the midst of opposition, they were passionate to tell others about Christ. 
Why were they passionate? Because they knew the grace of God. They knew the grace that Jesus had had lavished on them. And in knowing that grace, it wasn't just a knowing here. It was a knowing in here that actually transforms the way we live our lives. And so, in a sense, as they went, so went the grace of God. And I believe they fully lived into the calling that Jesus gave at the end of Matthew's gospel to go and make disciples. (laughs) These were men and women who had been so impacted by the resurrection and God's grace through that, that they couldn't help that but let that be the message of their lives. And I think for some of us, and we've talked about it over the past few weeks, some of us need a a wake-up call into that area. That's where you begin to see life come alive for you. Before we keep going on about how that grace becomes visible, I want to ask this one question or make this statement. If the grace of God is going to be visible through our lives, guess what has to happen first? We need to know the grace of God. We need to encounter the grace of God. And I'm not just talking about reading about it and go, yeah, okay, I see this is grace. I mean having a literal encounter with the Holy Spirit where grace just explodes in your life because He has shown you how high and wide and deep is the love of God for you in spite of what you've done. Here's what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9. I just want to remind you of this this morning. Some of you know this well. Some of you, it might be the first time you've heard it. But this is a word of God's grace. Paul wrote, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Those are words that we need to sit with for a while. We don't have time right now, but you can sure create time when you go home. And I would encourage you, sit with these rich words that Paul knew deeply in his soul because of his encounter with the risen Savior. He began with those words, but God. It always begins with but God, doesn't it? Because we're the ones who messed up the story. And God has come in to not just clean it up, but to redeem and renew and restore. Friends, this is the message And I love it that he talks about the immeasurable riches of God's grace and kindness toward us. I wonder if your view of God is that he is a God of kindness toward you. He is, you know. Sometimes we allow the word, the voice of the enemy that can be very loud at times to speak such condemnation in us. And we get it confused with the voice of the Lord and we think God is coming and condemning us. But I can tell you as a follower of Jesus, as a child of His, as a son or daughter, His words are kind toward you and me. They are even kind when He admonishes us, when He convicts us, because it's all from a heart of love to bring us back around. 
So I hope you begin to see, even today, how kind our God is. I think this is what stirred these early Christians to not be quiet. They couldn't keep silent, but they went and told multitudes. And God used that, that many came to faith. Even in the midst of difficulty, they didn't shut their mouths. Well, that was life back then. But what about for you and me today? We don't experience the kind of persecution that they did, do we? I mean, not here in Little Rock. (laughs) We're pretty safe and sheltered for the most part. Certainly many of us have friends, people that we know of in other parts of the world that are experiencing persecution like these early followers did. And I will say, friends, we need to keep them in our prayers, God's protection over them. But what about us here in Little Rock? (laughs) What does it look like for us to be faithful in the midst of difficulty? Well, our difficulty looks a little different, doesn't it? You've got to bring the context in. Here's what I think it looks like to be faithful in difficulty so that the grace of God will be on display. Let me give you a few examples. One is this, persevering in a marriage when things have gotten challenging and rocky. Persevere in that. And you will see God's grace on display as you cry out to him in those moments. Not throwing, on the, not throwing in the towel on a relationship that's worth saving. Saying, I'm going to stick with something because I believe God is doing something here. And through the mess, through the struggle, through the pain, guess what we begin to see? The grace of God on display. Doing something, friends, listen, that humanly you and I could not do. Something that we would never do. But when things come back together, that's the grace of God on display. Or maybe it's finding strength when when there's pressure and stress at at work. That you're continually wrapped up in that and overwhelmed by that. You're persevering. You're not giving up. Is a picture of the grace of God on display. Finding patience when a project you're working on is not coming together. How about this one? Being persistent in prayer when your kids have turned away from the Lord. You will see the grace of God on display as you cry out to him and you find him meeting you in those moments, bringing hope back into your life. I could go on and on, but I'm going to leave it for you to fill in your own story. What challenges, what hardships, what are those overwhelming things that are before you that as you turn and lean into the presence of the Holy Spirit with you, you will begin to find God's grace And that will become displayed through your life. That's what it looks like when the gospel becomes visible. It's all through the brokenness. You and I have a testimony to give. We've got a word to share about the God who restores, who heals, who redeems, and who renews. So that's a picture of what I believe the grace of God looks like on on display when we remain faithful in the midst of challenges. But the second thing we see here in Acts chapter 11 in this latter part is grace becomes visible when it breaks down walls that you and I have built up. Look at verses 20 through 21 and then 24. We read, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, these were Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus to them. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord And a great many people were added to the Lord. What you need to see is this. So far in the book of Acts, 
It was the Jews that the gospel primarily went out to. This is the first time we really see preaching and giving a testimony of Jesus to Gentiles. Now, there are a couple of occurrences before Acts 11 where the Holy Spirit opened the eyes of a Gentile here and there to come to know the grace of God. But this is really the first time that we see non-Jews hearing the gospel. Now, certainly that was eye-opening to these Jewish Christians (laughs) because many of them thought, no, this message is just for our people. This is who we take it to, not the other people. But you see, here's where we see the gospel breaking through barriers, breaking through cultural divides. Friends, you know this, but we need to be reminded the gospel is not just for one people group. The gospel is not just for the Jews. The gospel is for Gentiles. The gospel is for everybody, regardless of who you are, where you've come from, what you've done. You fill in the gap. The gospel is for you. And that's what I love. Now, I wonder if you, like many of these Jewish believers in that day, just keep to your kind, to your socioeconomic class, to your racial class, or as one person once put it, PLU, people like us. Do you just stick to your group? Or do you see, wait a minute, the gospel is for everyone. And really believe that. You know, I think it's an important message we need to hear because every single one of us came in this room with a prejudice today. I don't know what yours is. I'm learning more and more what mine are. But we all have prejudices. Sometimes it's easy to see. Sometimes we can hide it pretty well. But if we are honest, we lay ourselves open before God we will see that there are certain people, certain places that we have a prejudice against. Friends, God's grace becomes visible when you and I tear down those walls. When we recognize those walls that we've built up and we tear them down. The message of Jesus, friends, is for everyone. And that's what makes Christianity stand out, isn't it? Where it's not just for a few But you name it, you come, and you are welcome. K.S. LaTourette, in his book, A History of the Expansion of Christianity, wrote this. He wrote, One of the reasons for for Christianity's success is to be found in its inclusiveness. More than any of its competitors, it attracted all races and classes. Judaism never quite escaped from its racial bonds. Christianity, however, gloried in its appeal to Jew and Gentile, to Greek and barbarian. The philosophies never really won the allegiance of the masses. They appealed primarily to the educated. Christianity, however, drew the lowly and the unlettered. Yet also developed a philosophy that commanded the respect of many of the learned. Christianity, too, was for both sexes, whereas two of the main rivals were primarily for men. The church welcomes rich and poor And in contrast with the mystery cults of the day, they were usually for people of means. He goes on and he says this, No other religion took in so many groups and strata of society. No other religion took in so many groups, so much diversity, so many different kinds. Friends, because Christianity is different because Jesus Christ is the Savior for all people. 
None are isolated. And when I think about this, I realize what's happening in Antioch needs to be happening more and more here in Little Rock and beyond. You see, what we, what we see happening in Antioch was that barriers that once separated people are now being broken down, not just as a result of the gospel being preached, but because that is the gospel. The gospel is about breaking down walls so that we can be reconciled to God. That's the message that we have to bring, isn't it? That Jesus broke down the great dividing wall that existed between us and God. And so there are no more barriers. Friends, it doesn't matter who you are, as I've already said, where you come from, what you did last night. The gospel is for you because it saves. It renews, it gives hope, it restores. So I want to ask this question as I close. What barriers have you been letting get in the way of you speaking the gospel of Jesus with boldness to whoever God brings before you? What barriers have you allowed to get in the way? What walls in your life need to come tumbling down with a big sledgehammer, take it to it? What walls need to come tumbling down in your life so the people fill in the blank that you once would have never thought to talk to, you begin to talk to? Or the people that you once judged in, their, in your mind or spoke against negatively in your home, you begin to reach out to because you realize you are no different. You are a sinner in need of grace. They are a sinner in need of grace, the kindness of God. Friends, this is what we see happening in the early church. It's what we see continuing in church history. And friends, I pray that it would continue in a bold, mighty way here in Little Rock. Kimberly and I and a few others here at St. Andrews were involved in a citywide prayer meeting this last week. And it was a powerful time. People all over the city, followers of Jesus coming and praying that God would bring revival among us. As I said, revival begins here with us first. And so, friends, may your life be a life lived that the gospel is visible, that the grace of God is seen through your faithfulness and adversity and through the way that you break down walls so that you can engage those around you with the life-giving message of grace. Amen? Father, we bless you for your word. We thank you for the power that it has because we, could, we can't do this on our own. We wouldn't want to live differently on our own. But through your grace, may it be renewed in us every day that that fire that I spoke about the other week would be rekindled more and more that we've got an amazing message and a city longing to be set free. So come Holy Spirit, break through barriers, break through walls, open our eyes to your grace. And may we, like those kids, shout of your grace because it is so good. Come, a fresh Holy Spirit, and do this. Amen.